0: The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: Employment Law Show. Indeed, Skulls here along with uh, Lior Sanfiru, co-founding partner at Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in Canada. You can check that out. Lots of ways to get a hold of this morning. You can email help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll get to some emails hopefully a little later on the show. And you should always go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, a wonderful resource for all things employment law including the severance pay calculator. So you can use that uh, particular metric anytime you want to see what your severance would be if uh, you need it. If you're in that situation or if you just want to find out for purely interest sake, you can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But I digress. We will get started. Uh, Good morning, pal. How are you? I'm doing well, John. Pumped uh, for what
2: I think is our last live show of the year here. Uh, you know, it's been a, what what a whirlwind of a year, what a what a ride! Wow! Uh, and for employment law as well, uh, so many people have had their, their jobs impacted over the past year. Uh, people have lost their jobs, been laid off, had their job changed. Uh, it's It's been just uh, a very, very, very difficult situation for many. But remember what I've always said on the show throughout the pandemic. Employment laws are still here. They haven't taken a break. They haven't gone off on a, on a quarantine. They're here. They're here to protect you. So it's important that you know your rights. Uh, I have some information to share that I will throughout the show, which may mean that those people that expected or hope to go back to work in January may not, unfortunately, be going back. But we'll talk about what that means and what to do about it. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a very, very weird time, but take advantage of the fact that we are here taking your calls right now, live. Uh, call us, I'll answer. You'll have the information, walk away, hopefully feeling better. Or option B, of course, you can do that today, throughout the holidays, after the holidays, reach out to me directly, phone and email, uh, we'll give you that throughout the show. John, well, let's actually start with the development that I just mentioned. Yep. Uh, over the spring, the government of Ontario implemented something called the Infectious Disease Emergency Leave, IDEL, the idea being that employers can keep employees on a layoff, initially it was supposed to be until July. That was extended, uh, and until September, and then it was extended again until January. So a lot of people that have been off for a while were hoping, uh, obviously, that by January maybe they'll be back to work. Where that period of time now has been extended again. It's been extended until July of 2021. Now what that means is that for many of those individuals that are currently not work, uh, working and are waiting to go back to work the employer may choose to let them uh, stay off on a layoff until July but it gets worse than that come July when that period of of the dis- of the infectious disease leave ends the employer can actually decide to put the employee on a proper layoff which can last another 8 months yeah so potentially someone could be off until March 2022 that's crazy that's oh insanity. God. What is that? So we've, we've had individuals that it may have been off since March 2020, which could be off till March 2022. Well, that obviously is bad news for employees, but here's the thing. Here's why it's actually not that bad. All this means, everything I just said means that that is a right the employer has if you choose to accept it. What I mean by that is you absolutely also have the ability To treat this layoff, this disability leave, whatever you want to call it, as a termination. You could do that now. You could do that today. You don't have to wait till January, till July, till March, till any other time. You can do that now. So what are your options now? You can wait and see what happens. In which case, you could be waiting until March 2022. Or option two, you can choose to treat that as a termination now and get your full severance. And remember, your severance can be as much as two years' pay, if that's what you want to do. If you want to get your severance now, if you don't want to wait until March 2022, you want to connect with me as soon as possible. Don't wait on this. and Let's have a chat, and let's make that happen.
1: By the way, to reach out uh, any time outside of the hour, of the show or hours that we do during the week as well, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Lots of stuff to get through. We'll get into the uh, dis- discussion of reprisals here in just a bit. But always, the uh, the phone calls are always top priority on the show, and we'll uh, we'll get rolling with those. Bill, thanks for standing by for a moment. Uh, good morning. How are you? Quick question. Yes, sir. So I'm, I work in accounting. There's two parts to our business at
3: the company I work for in Toronto. And there's a a manufacturing where the guys are doing assembly, and they're paid by the hour, and then there's a bunch of us in the office. And then uh, this
4: week, the company said they're going to do a shutdown over the Christmas break, but they're not going to pay anyone. And I'm just wondering, are they allowed to do that? With just, you know, they've never done this before, but um, I just don't know what my rights are. Can they,
3: as a salaried employee... Can they not pay me for that week if they choose not to?
2: Strictly speaking, no. They cannot do that because they haven't done that before, meaning it hasn't been a, a term of, of your employment. So right. uh, the, the problem is not that. The problem is the fact that there's a, a practical issue as to how to pursue it. You as a, as a practical matter, the only thing you could do, you can't even go to the Ministry of Labor, is you could essentially take legal action against the company. So that is something you can do and you would be successful in doing. Mm-hmm. It's a question of do you want to do that over that, that amount yeah. and, and potentially souring the relationship with the company. Sure. So legally sure. what they're doing is wrong. That's an easy one for me to answer. It's a more of a, a practical issue about what you do about it.
1: Okay. Okay. Thank you thank you bill if you want to reach out further you know how to do that uh, 1-855-821-5900 and it is a help at employmentlawyer.ca peter you're next how are you this morning i'm great thank you good pal what's up
3: my question is uh can i pay people um to do piecework to uh what you think me well assemble for me my uh my raw materials they're assembling and um then I in turn sell that product or use that product in my business Uh, can I pay them just just buy the piece buy the item that they produce rather than hourly so Peter
2: the answer is that it's there's nothing wrong with paying someone piecework the problem is changing the terms of employment so if you already have employees that are being paid hourly and if you say well starting monday you're getting get uh, get paid piecework instead of hourly the problem is that some employees maybe none but some of them may choose to to look at that as a constructive dismissal because you're changing terms of employment So legally, yes, you're allowed to pay someone like that. It's changing the terms of employment. So the best advice I have is speak to the employees, see if they're agreeable, see if you're gonna get some resistance. The reality is that you may have to deal with constructive dismissal if uh, employees feel strongly that they don't wanna do about it. Uh, It it is uh, moving forward. If you wanna hire people on a piecework basis, you can do that and then you don't have that issue. But it's a problem when you have to change someone from hourly to piecework.
3: Okay, well, I've, I've, I'm not really going to change any uh, uh, existing employees. I'm, I'm thinking of setting up a, a, like a separate company to do this, to supply me and other people in my business uh, with this product. So um, it, it would be a new entity, basically. So it, it wouldn't change any existing situation um, but uh, I guess my concern is if, if they're, um, they're not producing enough to meet minimum wage, is that legal?
2: No. So you still have to make sure they get at least minimum wage for the time that they're there working. So even with piecework, the, the minimum wage requirement is still there. Uh, so no matter what, if you're not going to have enough work to pay minimum wage, then that's probably not a good system for you to use. You have to make sure they, pay, they get paid minimum wage.
3: Just not fast enough to meet uh, the requirement. Then they, you know, they may only produce enough widgets to uh, make ten dollars an hour, whereas the person sitting beside them might be making twenty-five dollars an hour.
2: Right. So, so that's something you can manage through, through performance management. If you have employees that are not performing, you, you can manage the performance, provide warnings, you know, let go of employees that are not properly, uh, performing. So yes, it's your job, obviously, as the owner, as the manager, to make sure that they're productive. But no matter what, if they're there, they have to get paid at a minimum, minimum wage.
3: How about if it's a subcontract situation? And they're not working like full time hours. They kind of set their own hours, come in when they're available, and produce. If,
2: right. If they are independent contractors, and they truly are independent contractors, and what I mean by that is, as you said, they don't have fixed hours, they can come and go as they please, set their own hours, uh, they may have other jobs. If they are truly independent contractors, then it's fine. There's no minimum requirement, minimum wage, because they're not employees. But what you want to make sure to avoid is not have people that are really employees that you're misclassifying as independent contractors. If they're truly contractors, you have no problem.
1: Uh, thank you, Peter, appreciate it. And hope I answered all of your questions. If you wanna reach out a little more, you can uh you can do that. Uh, call Lior and his team, one eight five five eight two one 5900 emails, help at employmentlawyer.ca. We're going to uh, take a short break here in a moment and want to get into the uh, the concept of reprisals. A lot of people hear the word. They don't know exactly what it means, so we want to tackle that in just a little bit. And your emails as well. By the way, we get to those. That is simply help at employmentlawyer.ca and pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Go to the website now, check it out, and we'll take a short break and get right back to it. 416 870
0: Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. All right, welcome back. You have uh, questions about anything having to do with employment law,
1: bring it on. You've been terminated, laid off, wrongfully dismissed, harassed at work, experienced changes to your job, doesn't matter. Call us now. And you can always go to Pocket Employment Lawyer. CA as well and uh, have a look around there while we do the rest of the show reprisals okay getting punished for standing up for your rights that does not sound correct does not sound rightly or in employment law what exactly is a reprisal well keep in mind John that laws
2: are only valuable laws only have teeth if you can enforce them right that there's no point having laws if you can't enforce them, and and to be able to enforce them, you can't be afraid to enforce them. If you thought that every single time you would enforce your rights or, or try to find out about your rights, you'd get punished, well, you wouldn't try to enforce your rights, which means having laws, having employment laws would be meaningless. Well, we understand that, which is why there's this concept of reprisal. A reprisal is a situation, essentially, when a company tries to do something to an employee that's standing up up for his or her rights. Mm -hmm. So a reprisal happens if you're punished because you're asking for overtime or you're punished because you're challenging how your employer is paying vacation pay. That is wrong. A reprisal is illegal. The law has recognized that. And an employer that is involved in a reprisal not only potentially could have to reinstate an employee if they fired the employee, they would have to pay other damages. They could also be fined by the government, believe it or not, in many situations. So it's illegal and it's quite a big deal. The bottom line is an employee should always, always feel free, comfortable and confident to advocate for their legal rights, to ask questions, to demand things if you're owed things, to question the way things happen, knowing that you have this dome of protection around you. You cannot be punished, disciplined, fired if you do that. And if the employer even tries to do that, as I said, there's going to be significant consequences.
1: We're talking about reprisals. Give me some more uh, common examples of what a reprisal would look like.
2: So let's talk about actually workplace harassment. Uh, Believe it or not, this is a common situation. So we all know that you have a right as an employee to be to work in a harassment-free work environment. But there's also another uh, right that you have, and and that is the right to have your employer deal with your harassment uh, uh, allegations, deal with it seriously. An employer has to investigate if you make harassment complaints. They have to take all measures to rectify that. Now, some employees are afraid that, wait a second, if I complain to my employer about harassment, if I file a harassment complaint, Maybe something will happen to me. Maybe they'll they'll turn around and be upset with me or discipline me or fire me. Well, this is where a reprisal comes in. An employee that has that, that, that's made a harassment complaint has that again, that dome of protection, as I want to call it, around them. Anything that the employer tries to do to them would be considered a reprisal. So your employer cannot do anything to you if you filed a harassment complaint they can't uh, be upset with you and decide to discipline you, to suspend you, to let you go. By the way, they also can't ignore the harassment complaint. They have to deal with it. Right. So bottom line is any employee that has been harassed or mistreated should have the confidence to go and deal with it, to speak to the boss, to the owner, uh, to HR, let them know what happened, knowing that no matter what, nothing bad can happen to them legally. Now that's one example. There's... Even more common examples you know overtime your employer may not be paying you overtime properly well wait a second employer I, I, I need to get to get paid overtime or show me why you haven't been paid me overtime or by the way employer you owe me a bunch of money in overtime right you have a right to do that without being punished and by the way, even if you're wrong, maybe you thought you owed overtime so you went to your employer and say, employer you got to pay me overtime and it turns out that you were wrong overtime is not owed. Even in that situation, nothing, nothing, nothing can happen to you. Your employer cannot discipline you because you have a right to ask questions, to demand, to stand up for your rights. So when it comes to your legal rights, overtime, vacation, harassment, uh, any, any matters really, your employer cannot do anything to you if you stand up for your rights.
1: So if you go there and say, you know, I, I think this has been happening, or maybe not even overtime, maybe it's a, it's a you know an, a harassment thing, or you just you've you've thought something came to mind, but it turns out you were wrong. There was no there was no teeth to your allegations. You can't be you can't be punished for that either, right? Saying no, no, why would you bring this to us? You're, you're you're way off the mark here, so we're going to punish you for it. That that is actually a common concern that
2: people have with harassment. Well, you know, I, I I know I've been mistreated, but I don't know if I can prove it. I don't know if if it's gonna. be... You know, bear itself out if I complain, and what happens if I can't prove it? Oh well, my God! Are they going to be upset with me for bringing it up, and then they're going to take it out on me? Yeah. No. Right. Can't do that. Can't happen. That's illegal. So just because you made an allegation and it turns out not to be accurate, or not, not even that. Maybe it turns out that you just didn't have the ability to prove it. Remember, everything has to be in writing. Just because that happened and you couldn't prove it, it's you still have the same protection around you. Just by virtue of raising the issue, you're protected, regardless of what the result is. So don't be afraid to to stand up for your rights because you may not be right at the end of the day. Even if you're not right, standing up for your rights invokes that protection. Your employer can't do anything to you. And if they try, you call me, I'll deal with it, I'll help you. You can't be punished for standing up for your rights, as simple as
1: that. The email is help at say We will endeavor to get to a few of those emails before the, uh, the end of the show. And want to talk about the non-compete obligations. Uh, you know, when we talk about non-competition obligation, what exactly do we mean? And I would assume this is something that's more important when it comes to being let go, right? So a non-competition
2: obligation is something that a lot of employees will have to or, or have had to deal with uh, at some point. So a non-competition obligation is something that would be written or outlined in an employment agreement or a job offer and essentially it says that if you were to leave us by the way whether you you're let go or you quit you cannot work for a competitor for a certain period of time in other words you cannot compete with us that's why we call it a Mm non-compete so and usually it's going to outline uh for how long so maybe it's six months 12 months 24 months and it's going to outline the geography. So you can't work for a competitor within 10 kilometers or anywhere in Ontario or in Canada. So those are very, very important. Think about it. If you, in fact, can't work in the industry and you decide to leave or the company lets you go and you can't work in the same industry that you've worked in for 20 years... That's a huge problem, right? right? So that's why we want to talk a bit about that, the enforceability and the legality. But what we're talking about is these, these terms were, that prevent you from working for a competitor if you leave your current company, at least for a certain period of time.
1: You know, I would imagine there's there's certain industries and jobs um, or careers that this would be a little more prevalent than, uh, prevalent than others. I mean, I, I personally never came across one in, in all my years. But how often do employment agreements contain the non-competes? Well,
2: you know, over the years, they've become more and more prevalent, regardless of actually the position. So nowadays, it's almost common to, to see those, uh, those types of obligations and employment agreements. Pretty much in anything other than, you know, kind of your part-time minimum wage type jobs. You're not going to see that if you're working at the restaurant, uh, or, or, you know, if you're working on the assembly line, likely. But generally, most other jobs, you will see a non-compete. You will see that and it's going to be something that a lot of people don't necessarily pay attention to. Remember what I always say that oftentimes individuals, when they look at an employment offer, what do they look at? Salary. Okay. Salaries is all right. Vacation. Okay. They gave me my three weeks vacation. Maybe bonus. Oh, great. I can earn another 10% in bonus. And that's often it. That's all they look at. Well, a non-compete is something you can't ignore because it could cause you problems later on.
1: You know, it's interesting, though. It seems like it wouldn't take much, uh, much effort just to, you know, someone's drafting up an employment degree it might be a couple lines. Oh, it can't, uh, you know, you're non-compete for this amount of time, this amount of radius, so on and so forth. Okay. Next point. It seems very easy for, for a, and a potential employer to throw that in an employment contract, but is, is it really when, when push comes to shove, is it enforceable at that point?
2: Well, that's the that's the key. That's the heart of it. Okay, so I signed a non-compete. I didn't listen to Leo. I didn't really pay attention to it, but I signed it. Now I want to leave, or now I was let go, and I want to get another job. Yeah. So how big a problem is this non-compete? So let me tell you something here that maybe surprises a lot of you. For most people, the vast majority of people, in fact, a non-compete is not enforceable. It's not enforceable. Our courts have said that we don't like terms that prevent people from earning a living. So if you're signed signed a non-compete, then essentially that means now you can't work. That's not good. So we're not going to enforce it. For The people that it is enforceable for are the very senior executives or people in very special positions where if you worked for a competitor, it would really, really hurt your former employer. Uh, so, you know, your, your vice presidents and presidents, people in, in very, you know, if you're a, uh, an announcer on a, on a TV station and you're associated with the brand of your company, you may have to abide by a non-compete for a period of time. But for 98% of people, a non-compete is not enforceable. Wow. So maybe some people now are hearing this saying, you know, great, I have a smile on my face now. I know that I don't have to worry about the non-compete because Leo just said it's not enforceable. Not so fast even though it's not enforceable likely for you if you've signed one, that's not the real question. The real question is whether your company, your former company, will try to enforce it. Whether they'll sue you, they'll take legal action against you if you work for a competitor. Because if they do, you will win that dispute, but guess what? It's still gonna be a long, expensive and very uh you know, very difficult dispute to deal with. It could cost a lot of money and cause a lot of problems. Now some may say, well, wait a second, you just said it's not enforceable, so why would my old company try to enforce it? Well, guess what? They may want to send a message to their other employees. You know, that's what happens if you go work for a competitor. So you have to take these non competition obligations very, very seriously. It's always a terrible idea to say, well, I'm just going to ignore it because it's not enforceable. If your old company tries to enforce it, it's going to be a very miserable experience. So if you sign it, my advice is you have to be prepared to live with it. So very important to take these non-competition obligations seriously. Otherwise you may regret it later on.
1: So if I'm looking down the road going, yeah, that's okay. I'll sign this thing. I don't plan to leave. And here you are five years later. Oops. You know what? I got a better offer. I do want to leave. How do you, how do you handle it?
2: Well, number one is if you're going to work for a competitor, make sure that company, the new company you work for, knows that you signed a non-compete. Always a good idea because they need to understand whether they're willing to assume that risk. If there's ever legal action, they'll be dragged into it. If they say, you know what, don't worry about it. If there's any problem, we'll take care of it. Great. Then you're protected. They'll they'll deal with it. The other thing you can do, of course, is have a discussion with your old employer. Say, employer, listen. I respect you. I had a long career here. I want to make a move. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna protect your privacy or, or your confidentiality. I'm not gonna disclose confidentiality. I'm not gonna try to steal your clients. But I don't want you to stand in my way from working somewhere else. Oftentimes, a discussion like that with a uh, an employer can be a very positive one, and an employer may agree. So be open with the current employer. Be open with the new employer. Ultimately, you'll have to decide. Whether you're willing to take the risk, it's not enforceable. I, I've said it. I'll say it again. Mm-hmm. But do you want to potentially, maybe, get involved in a legal dispute uh, just because your old company is upset that you've left and gone to work for a competitor?
1: From the competitor uh, from the employer's side, what are they got to look out for if they can't enforce it?
2: Well, first of all, th- an employer that uses a non-compete should be reasonable with it. What I mean by that is you increase the chances of making it enforceable if you're not over over broad with it so don't say you can't work for any company uh, in canada so be very specific you know you can't work for these companies but only for a short period of time if you say you can't work for any company in canada for 2 years that's just so silly it's it's ridiculous so the less you ask as an employer the more You can expect it or the more likely it is to be enforceable. So six months, uh, you know, a competitor within a radius of 10 kilometers, you know, that is more likely to be enforceable. The other thing an employer should keep in mind is that you're, you're better off trying to protect your clients, trying to protect your confidential information than preventing someone from working for a competitor. So use things like non-solicitation. Make sure that employees that leave, you can't go after your customers. That should be the focus for employers, not where their old employees work.
1: Let's take a short break and uh, move on down to some emails. As promised, that is simply help at employmentlawyer.ca. You want to send one along and always always,
0: pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. We'll continue Employment Law Show on Global News Radio.
1: We are back. Employment Law Show. Yeah, you want some quick answers for workplace issues? Simply go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That's the website. Discover your rights. Absolutely free and anonymous. But if you want to contact Lior confidentially any other time, simple. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca and 1-855-821-5900. But here and now it is 416-870-6400. I always like to get our callers on a priority over anything else. Ian, thank you for hanging on for a moment there. How are you? I'm Wally. How are you? Beautiful. What's, um, uh, what's on your mind, pal?
4: Well, I've worked for a small plumbing company, less than 10 people, in there about 15 years. My boss is the same age as me, uh, about 10 years short of retirement age. Uh, he has no children. Um, if he were to sell or just close up shop, um, would I be entitled to uh, severance pay?
2: That's a great, great question, question, Ian. And the answer is, if you're out of a job, you're owed severance pay. And the reason that I phrased it this way is that if he sells and you're continuing to work with the buyer, then you're not out of a job. You're still working just with the buyer. The buyer would inherit your service and no severance would be owed. But if as a result of him going out of business or closing down or selling, if a result of that you're out of a job, you're absolutely owed severance. Now you've been there for 10 years. I've uh, been there 15, and if he retired in another 10, I'd be there 25. So again, you know, right now, today, if you were let go or if you were out of a job, you'd easily be owed a, a year's pay, potentially more. Obviously, the longer you work there, the more severance you're going to be owed. So yeah, if you're owed, se- if you're out of a job, you're absolutely owed severance. Okay, that's pretty
3: simple answer. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Ian. You. you bet, Ian. That's uh, what we strive to do. Give it to you simply, plainly, and concisely. By the way, you want to reach out, Ian, to uh, to Lior afterwards if any more questions pop up in, in your mind. one 855 5900 would be the way. Uh, Marie, hello. Good morning. How are you? Good morning,
5: guys. Great show. My question is, Thanks. what's awesome. the difference between temporary layoff and a layoff? If you get laid off, question. are you entitled okay. to severance pay?
2: Well, here, here's the, the, the answer, Marie. You're actually entitled to severance pay either way. So let me explain. Temporary layoff, the idea behind the temporary layoff is that the company says, we're not planning to let you go. We're hoping that at some point we can bring you back to work. So it's temporary. We don't know necessarily if it's going to be three weeks or six weeks, or maybe we do know, but it's for a temporary period of time. So th- from the company's perspective, they want to bring you back. The thing is about a temporary layoff is that when you are laid off temporarily, most people can choose to treat that temporary layoff as a a regular termination and get severance. So if you've been laid off temporarily, you can either sit at home and wait to be called back to work and, and see if you get called, or you can say, no, the layoff itself is a termination. And now employer, you have to pay me my full severance. So that's a temporary layoff. A layoff, the idea behind that is they're letting you go, and now you're not coming back, shaking your head and saying uh, goodbye. And then, of course, you're owed severance. So with a temporary layoff, you can choose to get severance. With a regular layoff, regardless of what you choose, the company has to pay you severance. Does that make sense?
5: That's great. And with the severance, is it basically a week for every year you've been with the company, and do they cap it off?
2: So uh, obviously, Marie, uh, you're obviously a, a new caller, so I'm re- or a new listener to our show. So I'm glad you called. No, it's not that, not at all. It's a lot more. It's your severance is based on three factors: your age, your position, and the length of your employment. So the longer you work, the older you are, and the more senior a position, the more severance is owed, and it could be as much as two years' pay. Two years' pay. Uh, are you calling about your situation, Marie?
5: Yes, my, I've been with
2: the company for 48 years. 48? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and are you part of a union? Um,
5: no.
2: Okay. So severance for you is two years pay. Again, In fact, because it's been 48 years, uh, there's not too many people wow. that have had the same job for 48 years. You could even be a bit more than, th- than two years pay. But a- at least it will be two years pay for you, Marie.
5: Okay, perfect. That's great news. (laughs) Thanks very much, guys. Have a great day.
1: You too. You bet Marie and uh thank you for uh, for calling you want to reach out any further you know how to do that it's uh 5900 Marie or you as well help at employmentlawyer.ca that might be a record for the longest huh. employment I think I mean we've had a couple 30 35 years but that's a long time that's a long time 8
2: years you know wh- wh- what a what a good dedicated employee you'd have to be to to work somewhere for 48 years good on marie that that's that's impressive my gosh that's impressive and then but that also means that someone in her situation if she loses her job she'll of course get the maximum severance i mean okay. who would have a more compelling case than someone that's worked there for 48 years my gosh uh and, and in fact there are cases where people can get even more than the maximum the maximum being 24 months and if there's ever any person that gets more it, it's got to be someone that's worked somewhere for 48 years so for Marie, yeah if you are let go, if your company shuts down, if you uh, are laid off temporarily or otherwise, we really should talk to make sure that you get your full severance
1: and, and Marie's one of those cases where we've talked about in the past where you know all of a sudden if uh, you know an employer feels oh, you know Marie's getting a little long in the tooth you know we want to get some younger blood in here we'll start writing a rock for performance issues. Good luck with that. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> it's and, and almost been
2: five decades. <laughs> it, it, it is, and, and that would be absurd. And, and you hit the nail on the head. Is clearly, clearly, if Maria's made it uh, with the same employer for forty-eight years, she's done something right okay? Uh, she's obviously a good employee, and she's not going to become a bad employee overnight. So an employer that all of a sudden says, well, now you're doing all these things wrong, we have to start looking, well, wait a second, what's really going on here? Because she's not turning to be a bad employee overnight. And then often in these situations, it could be an age thing. You know what? Marie has uh, been here for all these years. She's a bit older now. We want to bring someone younger. So let's find a way to push her out that is a human rights issue. That's illegal. You cannot be mistreated, let go, disciplined because of your age, even if the company is trying to use something else as an excuse. Age discrimination is a big deal. We have a an aging workforce these days. So if you feel you've been pushed out or, or disciplined, or maybe the, the, the you're slowly being nudged towards the door because of your age, you really want to reach out to me as soon
1: as possible. It's amazing. We'll uh, we'll return with some emails as we continue help at
0: employmentlawyer.ca. It's the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. All right. A few minutes
1: to go. Let's try to get some calls in here. When we're done, by the way, one 821 5900 Use that number. Contact Lior and his team. Make that phone call and uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca. I was going to try to get us some emails, but uh, luckily we got a bunch of calls coming through, so they are a priority. John, thanks for standing by. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. What's up?
4: Um, so I'm a, a, a uh, branch manager for a major one of the major banks big four banks and uh i was at my branch and just before covid well during covid we shut down and they're reopening the branch but they've decided starting uh april 1st that the branch is going to be shut down uh permanently and they said they're not gonna there's no other branch management positions or positions that uh you know are, are of my level currently even though i've been rated uh excellent employee for the last five uh ratings last five years and they're making me work obviously till the uh, the branches shut down in april but they're not going to give me my severance until a month from the uh closing date so march 1st and they're expecting me to keep working and all that stuff i'm um, just wondering what my rights are here and what i should be expecting i've, I've been a 15-year employee i uh, just wondering what i'm expecting for uh for um severance
2: Now, John, how much advance notice did they give you? How many months that April uh, you're going to be done? Uh, They just told me last week. So I don't know, call it four months or so. Uh, So you're owed right around 16 months of severance, less the four months notice. So that leaves us about a year's pay. So what they owe you come the termination of your employment is another year's pay. Now, keep in mind, despite the fact that you clearly are a good and successful employee, they're allowed to let you go as long as severance is paid. And for you, it's a year's paid. Now that means your, your uh, salary obviously benefits, any bonuses you would expect, any options that you would normally get during that period of time. So everything and anything that uh, you would have expected to get had you continued working for another year past April uh, of 2021. If you don't get that, if you get anything less than that, you have to reach out to me right away.
4: Okay, so my, my, I, I listened to your show quite a bit, so I kind of understood that, and I've been to your website. The, my question is, can they make me hold on until March 1st to give me my severance, or can I, can I demand that they let me know the amounts and stuff
2: now? So no. They uh, nope. they, they, in fact, they can wait up until your last day. I'm not saying that's a nice thing or a right thing to do, but the, their obligation is to to deal with that come the termination of your employment. So legally speaking, they, they're okay. Certainly, you can talk to them and maybe you can convince them to deal with it sooner, but they do not have to, John. Okay. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks, John. Appreciate you listening and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Another John, how are you, pal?
4: Good. Very good um i'll be very quick because there's probably sure. a lot of people want to talk to you um the government closed my business at the casino i'm in table games and we're not allowed to open they're not letting us open that part of the, the company at all can i get any severance or do i have to wait till the company's allowed to get me back and then if they don't get me back i get my severance or do i ha- do i have to wait until the the government lets me open, let, let them
2: open? Yeah. So here's the thing, because it's not a company decision, because they, they have no choice in the matter, they have to be closed. Then at this point, you cannot get severance because there's nothing that the company can do about it. If the company and when the company is able to reopen, if you're back at work, no problem. If at that point they say, well, we can open, but we don't have a job for you, then yes, they would have to pay you severance. So for now, unfortunately, you're in, casinos are in one of those unique situations that you, you're not able to open at all. So at this point, you re- really just have to wait, John.
4: All right, okay, everybody, gamble hard when we get to open again. <laughs> you got it.
2: I'll be I'll be there. <laughs>
1: That's right. Thanks, John. <laughs> Al, uh, quickly, how are you?
5: I just got a quick question. Uh, it's yep. a little bit different than what I told the screener. Basically, uh, when I was working, I got a uh, doctor's note that said I couldn't work. I hurt my back. Uh, they were insisting to ask uh, when my, my doctor. They were like, get your doctor to say when you're coming back. Because I basically broke my back. The doctor said he can't give a diagnosis that says exactly when I'm coming back. They sent me back to him three, four times. The doctor laughed it off. He said, I'm not a psychic. I don't know how long this injury's going to last, but you clearly can't work. They ended up canning me. And uh, when, I, when I saw my ROE, um, it said, uh, let go. Uh, voluntarily, due to medical reasons, that I basically—oh my
2: god, wow—they even said that in the record of employment. Smart. Yes,
5: it says, so they lied. Basically, they said that since I couldn't provide them with a with a return date, that I somehow voluntarily uh, left due to medical reasons. Me being twenty one at the time that this happened, I didn't really know what to do. I didn't have any money either. It was a really, you know, it was the only job I had. But that's basically the situation. And. Um, I was just wondering, how do you go about handling Do they have the right to let you go in that case? And I can't.
2: Uh, how how uh, long ago was this?
5: This was four years ago.
2: Ah. So yeah. unfortunately, you're, you're out of a time. That's the problem. What they did was completely illegal. Not only was it a wrongful dismissal, it was a human rights violation as well you can be off as long as needed. And in many cases, a doctor may not know how long you're going to be off. All the doctor has to say is you're going to be off and that they'll keep you updated. That's it. So this is wrong. This is illegal. We would have been able to get you a lot of compensation. Unfortunately, the bad news is because it's been four years and there's a two year limitation period, uh, you're out of time, unfortunately. That's for the human rights as well, right? That's it for both of them. In fact, human rights it's really a year we could have extended it to two years, but either way it's it's, it's too late now.
1: I'll appreciate the time you calling in. Finally, we'll get to uh, to Tammy here before we wrap. Hi, Tammy. Hello. Hi. You're on. How are you?
5: Good. How are you?
1: Good. What's your question? question? Yep.
5: Um I if you're off um, because of COVID and your doctor's ordered you like for medical reasons to be off and we get bonuses every year if If they're telling me that my bonus is going to be half of what it is because I'm physically not at the office, is that something they can do?
2: So is it also a situation where you're you're doing your regular job, you're not working less?
5: No, I'm not. No, in fact, I'm working more because we're busier. Um, No, nothing's changed except that I'm just working from home.
2: So not only can they not do that if they're doing if you're working home because of a medical condition and that's why they're cutting the bonus that's also a human rights violation because they can't punish you if you have a serious medical condition that requires you to work from home. So no that is illegal but I think this is the type of case where the company may not understand their uh, obligations and we could potentially resolve that with a quick letter from me kind of the kick in the pants letter so reach out to me Tammy yeah. and I'll help you.
1: Tammy, appreciate the call. It's a great way to end it. Appreciate all your correspondence and calls this morning. You guys are awesome. Want to reach out, Natalie or and his team. Don't hesitate even for a confidential chat, one 855 821 Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca and always consult pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show. This is Global News Radio.
0: The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.